Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis on how Abraham felt the heaviness and stresses of riches and the heaviness and stresses of a famine in the land. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. We want to thank you so much for your listenership and your support of the Friendship with God radio program. Now, as Christmas is approaching and Hanukkah just a few weeks away, Tom Cantor has written a 17-page gospel track called How a Jew Learned the True Meaning of Christmas. Now, this track will help you to reach lost Jewish people at Christmas time, whether they're at your work or maybe they're just friends or neighbors or someone you know. This track has a wonderful illustration that is even good for Gentiles or Jewish people. It's a wonderful track. Now, this booklet is not available on our website, and we truly do have a limited supply of them. But it is available for a donation amount, any amount, today, if you call us at one 800 247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. You can get Tom Cantor's gospel track, 17-page gospel tract on how a Jew learned the true meaning of Christmas. Call us today for a donation of any amount, 1-800-247-3051. Now, your donation support of the Friendship with God radio program not only keeps us with this teaching program on the radio, but it will also help Jewish and Gentile people to be reached with the gospel, not just over the airwaves, but at Israel Restoration Ministries and the Friendship with God radio program, we have massive door-to-door evangelization campaigns, and during our outreach campaigns, we reach 1.2 million Jewish doors per year. Now, we promote the program by giving out gospel invitations to listen with door hangers and impact cards. And these gospel invitations go to Jewish people and Gentiles. So without your support of this program and this station, we could not reach the Jew first with the gospel, as well as the Gentiles with the gospel. So today, we're offering you a 17-page gospel track booklet from Tom Cantor called How a Jew Learned the True Meaning of Christmas. You're going to need this at Christmas time, Hanukkah time. It's going to be a great track to help you reach lost Jewish people, especially at Christmas, especially at Hanukkah, those that are around you at work those that are Jewish, and even good for those that aren't Jewish. It's got a wonderful illustration in there that's great for anyone to understand the true meaning of Christmas. Now, this track booklet's not available on our website. Again, we truly have a limited supply of them, but it's available for a donation of any amount today if you call us right now at 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. 1-800-247-3051. Thanks for your support. We've received so many emails and phone calls and letters and support how this program has impacted your life, but we still need you to support the program and make a difference by getting the gospel out there to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And we want you today to get this track booklet as a way to say thank you for your support. Now here's some highlights from yesterday's message as we continue our study in the book of Genesis on the Friendship with God radio program and the life of Abraham. Abraham's children, they follow Abraham into believing and trusting and obeying Jehovah Jesus. It's not them making themselves great, it's God making them great. History is going to be of a conflict between Abraham and his nephew Lot. Now, here's Tom Cantor as we continue our expository study from the book of Genesis every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday on the Friendship with God radio program. 
So the first time we see this word kaved used in Genesis 12, 10, it describes a famine, and it's called a kaved. It's a heavy. And now, to our surprise, the next time we see the word kaved, it's used to describe Abraham's wealth. He's rich. So by saying this, in Genesis 12, 10, kaved used to describe the famine as grievous, and the next time it's used in Genesis 13, 2, to describe Abraham's rich, that's instructive for us. Because using the same word for these two situations leads us into a question and into a study. We want to ask the question, if God used the same word, kaved, to describe a famine as grievous and also describe Abraham's condition with much cattle, silver, and gold, how is being rich like being uh, grievous, kaved, or heavy? So he asked the question, why do you use the same word? Describe the famine and Abraham's condition of being rich. What's the link between the famine and being rich? All right. See my opposites, right? What's the similarities between the two? All right. So we saw in Genesis 12, Genesis 12, that the, the famine caused a lot of stress for Abraham. I mean, after all, he put him under so much stress. He had to leave the land that God promised to him. It was a terrible situation. He doesn't even like to think about what happened down there in Egypt. And it's all because of that famine. So the famine put Abraham under stress. And riches now put Abraham under stress. So he has, I mean, and we can see the stress in this chapter here. We see the stress that Abraham has to try to find enough pasture land to feed his newly obtained flocks. And Lot has the same stress because he's got some newly obtained flocks. And now Abraham has the additional stress of having to protect his newly obtained silver and gold. And so these are new stresses for Abraham that, that came with these newly obtained riches. And that's what riches do. They bring stress. First, there's the stress that riches bring of an addiction to get more riches. You, know, you ask a rich man, how much do you have? And the answer is always the same, not enough. I remember a business friend of mine, we started business, I started before him, but about five years afterward, then he, after I started Scanabytes, he started his company. So he used to buy materials from us, raw materials, Never paid his bill on time. Used to make Cheryl infuriated. She would call him up, and he would always have the same answer. We're friends. What are friends for? <laughs> anyway. But, uh, so, but he would always say to me, you know, he said, I didn't know what his sales were, but he said, Tom, have you reached $100 million in sales yet? He always led me to believe that his sales were close to $100 million. And then he sold this business, and it became public, and his sales were $34 million. But anyway, it doesn't matter. But he sold his business for $138 million, huge amount. And then he called me, and I have to sell big sale, you know, lots of money. And he tells me, he says, oh, he's retired now. He's bought this lakefront property in Houston, and he's built his house, and it cost him $30 million. Cost $30 million to build this house. I don't know, some kind of structure, big house anyway. So, so there he sat with millions of dollars in the bank, and he never had to work again. He was safe, secure with his millions, and he was, now he's going to retire. So he told us he's retiring. Okay. Well, that lasted for a year. <laughs> and he started another business. Why? Because he didn't have enough. Yeah, never enough. The riches are like that. They're like an addiction. Never have enough. Then the riches bring the fear or the stress of losing the riches. That's a big thing. I mean, inflation 
It erodes the value of money, especially today in the bank. Bank interest, that's not enough to prevent the loss of money from inflation. So there's a stress, and people feel the stress. And what are they going to do with their cash to keep its value? So they've got to find the right stock to invest in and not lose the riches. You know, we recently decided to take 85% of all the money we had in the bank and put it into the big investment of one million pounds of concrete. <laughs> That's a big investment, you know, for a new building. Anyway, because the money's going to get lost over time. And so there's a stress, and then there's stress of insurance to protect against the losses. And then there's the stress that riches bring of temptations, because riches open new doors of possibilities. You know, the spike in the use of cocaine paralleled with the rise in wealth. Riches bring in the stress of temptation of what the Bible calls setting your heart on riches. As it says in Psalm 62.10, if riches increase, set not your heart upon them. That's a problem to set the heart on the riches because riches, what happens, they bring in the stress of this new temptation to hate and despise God. That's what the Bible says. And to stop serving God. That's what he meant when he said the Lord Jesus in Luke 16, 13, when he said, no man can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other, or else he'll hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon or riches. So the verse tells us how riches raise the issue. They raise the issue of will God be served? Will God be hated or loved? Will God be held to or despised? That's the issue that riches do. And then riches bring in the stress of the guilt from yielding to the new temptations of serving riches and not serving God. And then riches bring in the sorrow. They bring in the stress of sorrow over losing them, losing riches. I have a friend, a close friend, who lost all his money when the real estate market collapsed and it fell through. He lost his house about two years ago and I talk to him regularly, he still tells me about how beautiful his house was. <laughs> you know, the lake view and everything. And how he had a million dollars in cash on hand in his house. Now we have to send him Vaughn's grocery cards because they had any money for a grocery. Anyway, but every time he tells me, I feel the stress of the sorrow that he feels because he lost his riches. So riches bring that soon. And last, and this last is this. Even though... Most men will not admit it. There is a stress that exists. And that's the stress that riches bring the stress of having to give an account to God for how the riches were used. You know, it's just a real issue, the stress of having to give an account. I have a friend who's made millions of dollars and millions of dollars on hand. And my friend worries about how to use the money for good. And so serving, serving God is not, not in my friend's thoughts. You know, but, but I've always wondered why my friend put so much effort into trying to do good with the money. Even though my friend is not serving God, it's as though my friend knows that an account is going to have to be given for how the money was used. We will continue finishing with Tom Cantor's message from the life of Abraham. And it's been exciting studying the life of Abraham, who is the father of the Jewish people and nation. 
Now, Tom Cantor wants to help you to better understand the Jewish people. So today we're offering a two-disc DVD teaching set about the Jewish people. It's called The Jewish People, Past, Present, and Future, as seen in the life of Joseph. It's a wonderful two-disc DVD set that we'd like to offer you today for a donation amount of $50 or more. So please call us today at one 800 247 3051. That's 1-800-247-3051 to get a copy of this two-disc DVD teaching set from Tom Cantor on the Jewish people. 1-800-247-3051. And that's for a donation amount of $50 or more, and we'll be able to send you that two hours of teaching from Tom Cantor. This great two-disc set will help you to better understand the Jewish people, their past, their present, their future, as seen in the life of Joseph. In scriptures. Now, we're offering this again for a donation amount of $50 or more. You can get this two disc DVD set so you can learn more about the Jewish people, their past, their present, their future, and great Tom Cantor teaching. So, call us today for your donation amount of $50 or more. We'll send that to you 1 800 247 3051. That's 1 800 247 3051. Now, we also have a book written by Tom Cantor called Understanding the Jewish Messiah and the history and future of the Jewish people through the life of Joseph. This book shows you the biblical past, present, and future of the Jewish people. Now call us today so you can learn more about God's lost chosen nation of people. Now we're offering this to you today for a donation amount of $50 or more. Again, call us 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. For a donation of $50 or more, we've got the two-disc DVD set or the book from Tom Cantor on understanding the past, present, and future of the Jewish people. Now, remember, your donation doesn't just help keep this radio program going on your station in your city, but it also supports Israel Restoration Ministries and the gospel going out to millions and millions of lost people, especially lost Jewish people. And we have door-to-door evangelism that takes place with IRM missionaries that not only put out gospel tracts about the Friendship with God radio program, millions of them, but they also put out millions and millions of gospel gifts to lost Jewish people every year. We've reached millions with the gospel the past three years. So please call us, support this program. You can also donate online at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. But call us for that offer today of $50 or more. We'll send you the DVD or the book of Understanding the Jewish People, 1-800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051. Now here's Tom Cantor as we continue studying the life of Abraham. And so Riches bring the stress of having to give an account. And this was explained in Matthew 25, 13 through 19. You want to turn to it, Matthew 25, 13 through 19, where the Lord said, watch. He gives this word, watch. Be very careful. Watch, therefore. Why? For ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, who called his own service and servants and t- delivered unto them his goods. And to one he gave five talents, another two, another one, another man, every man according to his several ability. Straightway he took his journey. Then he, had, then he that received the five talents went, traded the same, made other five talents. Likewise, he that received two, he gained other two. He that received one, he went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. It says, after a long time, the Lord, of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And we won't go through the rest of it. But he reckoneth with them. In other words, he said, okay, it's time now. You've got to give an account. You have to 
it's time to smell the coffee, and now you have to tell, what did you do with what I gave you? You know, no one owns anything. We don't, no one owns anything. It all belongs to God. And it says in Psalm 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein. So that doesn't really leave anything remaining. You know, <laughs> it's not God's. Everything belongs to God. I mean, God has simply given us what he owns in order for us to manage it for him. We're just custodians. That's what we are of God's possessions. You know, that's the first picture that we saw in the Bible of Adam. It says in Genesis 2.8, And the Lord God planted a garden. That was God who planted the garden. Eastward in Eden. And there he put man, put the man whom he had formed. And then in Genesis 2.15 it says, And the Lord God took the man, put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. That was God's garden. That was God's garden. And the Lord planted that garden and then he put Adam in it. Can you imagine if Adam suddenly looked at the garden and says, I've decided this garden's mine. This is my garden. He said that. <laughs> he maybe Adam says, I own this garden. So I decide what's going to go on in my garden. And then so Adam, you know, he goes and makes these signs. says, Adam's garden, no trespassing. He goes, put some up. You know? <laughs> Imagine when God starts to walk in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam comes out with a shotgun and says, you're trespassing on my garden. <laughs> I'll thank you to get off my land. <laughs> now, if that would have happened, we'd all want to step in and say, no, no, Adam, you got it all wrong. You got it all wrong. This is not your garden. This never was your garden. This is God's garden, and you've been put there by God, and you've been given a job in the garden. You're supposed to dress and keep it. And you're going to have to give an account to God of what you did, you know, and how you, well you did, dressing and keeping the garden. You didn't, didn't do such a good job. Anyway, I mean, the bank teller is responsible for the money he handles, but he doesn't own the money. It's a real problem when the bank teller decides, this is my money. All this money is mine. You know, that's who we are, bank tellers. All right, so all this talk about bank tellers saying the money's mine and Adam saying the garden's mine. It's illusional. We can see that. But this is what people do. When Haman, you remember, we studied that in Esther 5, 10 through 11, it says, Haman, when he came home, he sent, he called his wife and his Zeresh and his friends, and Haman told them of the glory of his riches. See, that's, those were his riches. So a person who thinks that his own head, you know, by his own brains, and his own hand has gotten him riches, that's what the Bible describes as a heart condition. See, that's a heart condition. That's a problem. That's a real problem. It's a heart condition. It's described by the Bible as a heart that is lifted up and forgets God. So that's description that's given in Deuteronomy chapter 8, in verses 14 through 18, where the Lord warned the Jewish people, he said, Then thine heart be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee. And he goes through a little bit of description here to refresh their memory. He says, look, you know, I brought you forth out of the land of Egypt, from the house of bondage, who led thee through that great and terrible wilderness, he said, I led you, wherein were fiery serpents, scorpions, and drought, where there was no water. So not only water, not drought, there wasn't any water. And who brought forth water out of the rock of flint. You know, as if to say, how did you think that up? How did you make that happen? They didn't. Who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee, that he might make prove thee, to do thee good in the latter end. And thou say in thine heart, my power and uh, the might of my hand hath gotten me this wealth. But 
Thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. So, deep down inside of every person, there's this small voice of conscience. And it's telling him, telling each person, your lifetime is short, and everything that you have is a loan from God, and one day you're going to have to give a report on how you used it, what was loaned to you. And, and that person may suppress, try to suppress that small voice of conscience inside it, but still there, still, still coming up. So riches, what they should do is drive a person to God to ask God to teach them how to use the riches that are entrusted to him. And how to be kept from the stresses and the temptations that the riches bring. You know, Agar, he was a man, he knew what he was praying for. It was a very smart prayer. In Proverbs 37 and 9, he says, he says to God, Two things have I required of thee. Deny me them not before I die. See, he has death on his mind. And remove far from me vanity and lies. He calls them vanity and lies. And he wants to be removed far from vanity of lies. And he says, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me. Just enough, please, if you don't mind. Thank you very much, Lord. Lest I be full and deny thee and say, who's the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. So he's talking about something that he's got in his mind because he's thinking about dying and having to give an account before God. And he's talking about lies, vanity and lies. And that's what riches promise that they can't deliver. Riches tell lies. Riches promise what they can't deliver. What do people want? Everybody wants stability for the future and certainty for the future and security for the future and strength for the future. And riches lie when they promise to give that all those things because they can't deliver. It's a lie. And that's why the Bible calls riches deceitful. In Mark 4, 18 through 19, it says, These are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and lust of other things, entering in, choke the word and becometh unfruitful. That's the worst thing about riches, is that they tell the lie to the rich person, you don't really need God. You have riches, you don't really need God. See the... Those words, the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things entering and choke the work, they're so graphic, you know, you can picture this person named the Word or the Word of God or the Bible. So the person is standing there and he's saying, you need God. And another person you can picture is named riches and the lust of other things. And he comes along and he puts his hands around the person's throat and he chokes them. So he stops saying those things, you need God. And then the rich person He ends up saying, well, who's the Lord? See, that was Pharaoh. Thank you for listening to the Friendship with God radio program with Tom Cantor. We appreciate your listenership and support of this program. Today we have another great offer for you. Many of you know that Tom Cantor is a great Bible teacher, a pastor, an evangelist, and a CEO. But maybe you didn't know that he's also a successful scientist. That's right. In fact, Tom Cantor has written a short booklet of his life story and his study of science and creationism. It's a 48-page power-packed testimony of his life and how science supports biblical truths of creationism. And this wonderfully titled book is called How a Jew 
became a scientific creationist. How a Jew became a scientific creationist. There is no true story out there quite like this one from the life of Tom Cantor. And he's got a unique life story. And this is his search for the truth of God. And we've recorded it in this wonderful book, How a Jew Became a Scientific Creationist. And it shows how the Creator is easily seen in science and the Bible. This is a very popular evangelism book for Jewish and Gentiles. Now you can get this book, How a Jew Became a Scientific Creationist, free today by calling us at 1-800-247-3051. And for any donation of any amount today, we'll give you that book for free. How a Jew Became a Scientific Creationist, call us today. And for a donation of any amount, we'll send you this book from Tom Cantor, 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. Now, your donation helps to keep the Friendship with God radio program going across the airwaves, but it also helps the gospel to go out to millions and millions of people, especially lost Jewish people throughout the U.S., Israel, South America, Canada, America. It's going out door-to-door through our IRM missionaries and this radio program, Friendship with God. And your tax-deductible donation and support helps to get the gospel out to Jewish people and to Gentiles. So by you financially supporting this program, you are helping the gospel to go to the Jew first, as it says in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it, that's the gospel, is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now your support of the Friendship with God radio program keeps us on the airwaves with teaching, and we do get Jewish people that listen in as well too, but it also helps the gospel to go to the Jew first as we reach millions of lost Jewish people every year with the gospel. We want you to support and be a part of that. So go to friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org to be able to donate online or call us today at 1-800-247-3051. Thanks for listening. Join us tomorrow.